Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host today for the first time in ages, Robert Borthwick, uh, and I am delighted uh, on this Scottish Cup weekend, a weekend that makes absolutely no bearing on my life uh, right now. Uh, I'm joined by Mr Tony Anderson. Tony, how are you doing? I'm grand, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it's just the... It's the... I know it's been a bad time for a Hearts fan, obviously, for this, but it is genuinely the third round. Yeah, this is the thing I think I miss the most for no fans, I would say, over the whole year. It's the it's the best weekend of them all in, in Scottish football, I would say. Uh, you're rubbing it right in, but you're absolutely spot on. Like, uh, Scottish Cup third round weekend, when the, the, the big hitters enter the tournament uh, and, and start playing against smaller, shall we say, uh, more jobber teams uh, from around Scottish football. Uh, it always is jam-packed uh, with fun and frolics uh, and action. And, you know, on that note, uh, what myself and Tony are going to be taking you listeners through today is the big winners and the big losers of the Scottish Cup weekend. Um, you know, I, I'll jump straight off with a loser, which is Heart of Midlothian Football Club. We might as well just cover that off now, right? So Hearts are the biggest loser <laughs> this weekend. They didn't even take part. Uh, Motherwell scudded a, a, a Highland League team. Strenrar beat the team that put Hearts out in the last round. Hearts are losers, mate. And, I, you know, it's, it's therapeutic to say that out loud. So we'll just, we'll get that one out of the way straight off the bat. There we go. There we go. I mean, there's not there's not much more I can add to that. Um, I mean, Hearts are taking enough bullets, and there's enough Hibs fans on Twitter that are going um, to stick in the stick the needle into you. I'm sure, Robert. But it was. Um, I wish I could have been on the podcast the day after uh, the Border Rangers uh, fiasco. But um, it's the beauty of the cup, though, and it's unfortunate it has to happen to your team if you like. But uh, it's the reason they will enjoy it, and I do think it's the Scottish Cup is possible. I think my favourite tournament 
on the planet. I think it's different from other countries. I think because we have, we've got the issue in this country of the skewed top flight that only two clubs can, can realistically win it. But what comes off that, the sort of, the positive angle that comes off that is that the cup competition becomes everything to nearly every team. And I believe that Rangers and Celtic as well still care about this tournament. And it's not like it is maybe in Spain, Italy, even Germany, England, especially where they just, they don't seem to really matter. Um, but here, I, th- like, I do think, I think it's still the prime, the Scottish Cup final is still the prime moment. And I think even third we- third round weekend is the best. I also think a uh, semi-final weekend in the Scottish Cup, just and don't know in recent years, I've always found it's, it's normally quite spectacular. Um, and I think that's something that we should hold in pride uh, in, in Scottish football, really. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I know as a Hibs fan, you're, you're probably only saying that you love the Scottish Cup because of what happened five years ago, and that's fine, Tony. <laughs> we understand. But no, you, you, you're absolutely right. It's um, it, it brings the magic, and it, it brings sort of like the, the big teams versus the wee teams is something I always love watching. It's always like that that low winter sunshine uh, on a bobbly football pitch and two teams kicking slogs out of each other. Absolutely magic. Absolutely magic. Now, we should get into some winners. We should also get into some losers. Tony, um, I, I will leave it up to you if you want to start on a positive or if you want to start on a negative. Where, where do you want to take us in the Scottish Cup weekend? Well, let's go back to Friday night. That's the first game. Um, and so Inverness, Caledonia and Thistle. I managed to catch this game. Uh, and as I was, I, was, I was saying to you off air, I'll be honest, my, my knowledge of lower leagues isn't, isn't the best. Uh, I know we've got sort of specific people on this podcast who, who know it extremely well, but uh, I fair enjoyed that. Obviously, I had the bit of Scott Allen. Uh, for me, as a Hibs fan, it was great to see Scott Allen back on the pitch. Uh, I thought it was interesting watching him. What, one thing I really enjoyed Scott Allen is that his best period in the game sort of came maybe between the 50th minute and, and the 70th minute when he went off, which I thought was really interesting because obviously we've got his fitness issues. I think it's a great deal for everyone involved. I saw some Hibs fans were a bit perplexed, but it's not Scott Allen that we had last season or, or the season before. And I just thought this move is absolutely perfect for everyone. And it was interesting for him as well, because he gets to go to Inverness, who when he arrived, were as likely to get relegated as they were to, to be going into the playoffs. But it's such an interesting way. So Neil McCann going in as a manager, and, and I hope whatever's going on with John Robertson ends up fine. But it's so it's really brought a lot of interest by a guy like Scott Allen turn up there who's sort of like one of the sort of maverick players left in, in Scottish football. And obviously everyone's interested in his, the health issues and how he's going to move on. And then Inverness have a Neil McCann coming back to, to management. And it's all looking pretty good for Inverness just now. And I thought they were, well, I thought they were absolutely superb. They turned Ross County over, even though sort of Billy Mackay put Ross County ahead. No, 100%. I, I have got um, uh, the, the entire game here as a, as a winner, but I've, I've dubbed it the, the Mackay Derby. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Daniel scoring, Billy scoring, and uh, Brad just being there as well. So many Mackays on the pitch, and uh, so many of them having such a big impact on how the game went as well. I just thought it was like a proper, like, the game was being played like it was the last 10 minutes of the game for about like 55 minutes. It was end to end you had a wonderful goal scored by Daniel Mackay uh, in the in the second half and you know if you want to call them that the underdog winning at the end as well and I think that's always something that you you want to see unless it's Hearts versus Brora in the Scottish Cup you always want to see the the underdog putting up that big fight and getting the big win 
Um, but I think, like in terms of Scottish football generally, the the the, the Highland Derby has been one of the most consistently good, mm-hmm. sort of entertaining derbies for quite a long time now. When I saw the draw come out, I saw it was a live game on a Friday night. I was like, I'm not missing that. Mm-hmm. That'll have something about it, and it did. And, and like you said, you know, the added intrigue of Scott Allen uh, sort of being involved. I was really interested to see how he played. I think you're right. I think his best moments did come in the second half uh, more than in the first. But altogether, just a, a, a really good game. Some cracking goals in there as well. Um, so fair play to the the Mackay Derby, the El Kesico, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. It was. Uh, I, I thought it was excellent. Really good game. Yeah, you're totally right. It's been like I mean. I remember it well because the first year I ever got involved with the the podcast, I think, was the year that I think there was um, the Highland Derby had been brought into the top flight. So I've watched it since then. So I remember all those years ago, I think Celtic beat Barcelona. And I remember Joe Sked was on a podcast and they asked what his moment of the season was. And he said it was the Highland Derby rather than Tony Watt scoring, <laughs> scoring a winner against Barca, an undefeated Barcelona, the greatest team that's ever lived. Uh, and that's just another example of the pettiness that we know that uh, Joel Skid carries on a on a daily basis. How uh, I was going to ask, do you know how old Daniel Mackay? I never even looked. I, I don't know much about him, but I obviously was hugely impressed. It feels like he's been around for years and years, but he made his breakthrough as a very young 16-year-old. So it's not as if he was 16 going on 17. He was brought into the team... Uh, and, and made an impact, got a couple of goals, a couple of assists. I think he's still only 19. Um, and right. he, he, he played in the Challenge Cup final a couple of years ago as well. Uh, and he's just like, he's a, he's a cracking prospect. I think they've, they've done well to kind of protect him maybe a wee bit um, in, in sort of recent years, um, not playing him week in, week out and, and sort of taking the expectations off his shoulders a wee bit. Um, but Cali Thistle generally have, you know, they, they have exciting young players and, and Daniel Mackay is kind of maybe the, 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 the pinnacle of that. But they've got like Roddy McGregor and, uh, you know, uh, Cameron Harper and, and stuff like that. They've, they've got a really entertaining young team and obviously putting like Scott Allen into that as well helps a lot, uh, you know, helps helps with the, the creation for the, the players further forward. But no, Daniel Mackay is a, is a cracking prospect. And when, when they tied him down to a new deal, I was really impressed because there were other teams sort of sniffing around him at that time. Um, but you know he's 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 beginning to build out and bulk out a wee bit more as well. So he's a he's a cracking new prospect. And I was looking in terms of a loser, maybe for the same game. Obviously, I think I was saying this on a podcast last week. I don't think uh, I don't think John Hughes has had that much of an impact on Ross County at all. I think they still have the same same sort of issues. They really they, they still win games, but they were winning games occasionally under Kettlewell as well. They've obviously got a decent enough squad. I just don't see really where he's made huge sort of strides, maybe the one thing I would say, maybe they don't look, they don't play such a suicidal high line as they did under Kettlewell. So, but I don't really look at that. I think that would just be any manager would come in and go, let's steady a bit and, and drop out. But that's the difference. Like Kettlewell wanted to be expansive and I thought that John Hughes would be quite similar, but he's slightly more cautious maybe. And it's just, it's still not great. And I can still see them going down and it won't, a, maybe it will be the black mark against John Hughes that, finally rids us of, of John Hughes in our, in our Scottish football lives. But, um, I was, um, someone that I was really disappointed with was Hidelji, uh, the left back. I know he's only, I know he's very young, maybe only 17 or 18, but he's played a lot this season and I've never really ever been impressed. He's, um, he is really young and I, I think it needs to be sort of remembered. He did have a good game a few weeks ago where he was kind of key in a, in a Ross County victory. He scored scored the goal and, and you know, it, it was one of those sort of like, right, maybe he has a, a proper exciting prospect. 
it's one of those you've got to remember he is 17 he didn't have a good game uh, and he was sort of ran ragged every single time uh, or seemed every single time Cali got the ball um, I don't, yeah it's a tough one eh? I, I, yeah. it's like it's not it's never easy putting a young player into a poor team and I think that you know especially when you've got that expectation on them as well uh, you know a team battling towards the bottom end of the table uh, struggling for form and then you're putting in this guy who's not got the, the, the wherewithal um, or the experience to kind of take that on, and it it looked like it sort of manifested itself a wee bit on uh, on Friday as well. So, yeah, but there must be something. There must be. I'm going to keep an eye on them because anyone who's not just in the team but seems to be playing pretty much week in week out uh, for a top flight team, uh, you've got to assume must be doing something right. So again, you don't want to criticise too much, but it has been, as I said, it was just an accumulation of times that I've watched County where I've never really been. Enamoured, but I'm, but I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be something there. I don't know if you wanted to add anything else about John Hughes that I mentioned. I, I didn't interrupt you at the end there, Robert. No, no, not, not at all. I think uh, John Hughes is uh, <laughs> finding himself on another slippery slope. Um, I, I think there was a lot of redemption stories around, obviously, what he did at Wraith Rovers and then potentially going to a bigger team. Well, you know, debatably bigger team, team in a, a different division, uh, and and you know, saving them, but they they. They don't inspire me with any confidence. Instead of a suicidal high line, it's now just a, a suicidal lower line, uh, and that's kind <laughs> of that. Um, we'll move on. We'll move on from the uh, from the Highland Derby. I'm going to go for a, a, a loser here, uh, and one that's close to my heart uh, because it's social media. But Falkirk's social media team uh, slagging off Ryan Christie for a, a shot on goal that didn't go in, and then him ten minutes later banging one into the back of the net, ending the game as a contest with doing that as well. Um, yeah, it's, you've always got to, I, I know that the, the live tweeting of games is a high octane, high, uh, you know, high pressurised environment, but just don't... High start. risk. Well, high risk, uh, high reward, but they did not get reward with this one because Ryan Christie <laughs> slammed one in about two minutes later. Um, there wasn't too much to say about this game as well. Like, you know, Celtic won, they were expected to win. I think Falkirk did well to hold them until... You know, just after half time with a, what was a sort of second string uh, side for Falkirk as well. But no, that that was the one that stood out for me was the the small time behaviour of the the Falkirk social media team coming back and biting them in the hoop. Uh, <laughs> when Christie scored. The funny thing it would be is that um, I think Christie's taken a lot of stick on social media from his own fans uh, this season. Right, like they, they've. Well, there's been a lot of some people a bit more tongue in cheek about the fact he does love to hit shots, and he does. There's no getting away from it that he loves hitting shots. But I think it's I, I, maybe one of the lads maybe said it on our podcast, but there's sort of similarities between Ryan Christie's like well, Stuart Armstrong's last season at Celtic and Ryan Christie now. That looks like the end where so we all he was such a popular player, everyone rates him really highly, and then sort of one bad season in a in, a, in an underperforming team. Uh, and you becoming a bit of a joke figure, and there you go, Falkirk feeding into that uh, and, and getting their fingers burnt right away. But I would, uh, yeah, I would watch myself because I think Ryan Christie, he's undoubtedly, I, I often think maybe he's the most talented player in the league, along with maybe Edward. He's not the best player in the league, but that word that maybe we use quite a lot is ceiling. Uh, I think Christie does have a really high ceiling, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if. There was a shock and he went to an actually relatively big club like Arsenal or Southampton or like someone maybe someone like that and actually doing pretty well. I get the feeling that Christie, if he put him in around better players on his wavelength, I think would really come through. So uh, Falkirk, maybe learn your lessons there. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Uh, where, where do you want to take us next, Tony? Okay. 
Well, you mentioned Brora uh, earlier, and that was like the uh, maybe a bit of a loser was the was the camera angle uh, <laughs> at, at Brora Rangers for, for for the highlights. I found that uh, like you couldn't actually see past the linesman at one point. How low down? I, I don't. I know nothing. I mean, you're you're involved in in media with the studio, obviously, Rob. I, I know nothing about it, but. I'm positive you're not meant to lie on the ground when you're when you're trying to shoot <laughs> when you're the only one camera at the game. And I found I think there was quite a few ones like that. And I know it's tough uh, in the lower leagues, and I know it costs. But uh, I did. I found that um, sort of weird. Why that would be a thing? Aye, it's it's like the um, it's like they brought the wrong size of tripod for the <laughs> for the for the camera. It's like they, they, they thought like you know, I we'll, we'll we'll bring the we'll bring the five footer, uh, and then they ended up just bringing like one of those tiny wee tripods. To just <laughs> the floor. Uh, either that or it was dug into a pit. Uh, I'm I'm not too sure, but aye, that was uh, it's jarring, jarring to see camera angles from uh, from from that low down. It's like being a hand in. <laughs> Can they see a thing? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but you got I, any more winners for us, Rob? So I, I, I've got like a, a double-ended like winner and loser in the same breath that I'm going to go for here. So the, the winner is Russell McLean of Montrose Football Club. Uh, scored the, mm-hmm. the round by a distance overhead kick. He was completely off balance as well. Like the way he sort of manoeuvred his body, got himself back over it and then overhead kick straight over the goalkeeper into the back of the net. Absolutely amazing. Like goal of the weekend for me. Absolute winner. But the loser from this scenario is Lee Hamilton of Edinburgh City, who also scored mm-hmm. a head kick, but no one's going to talk about it because it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as good as Russell McLean's. Um, and they ended up losing the, losing the tie as well, obviously. But um, yeah, just like two fantastic goals, two great overhead kicks. Uh, but Rusty, Rusty McLean is uh, the one that will get grab the headlines because it was a, the winning goal uh, and it was just a, just a better overhead kick. So I, I feel sorry for Lee Hamilton, but I think we still need to pay him lip service at the very least because it was a cracking, cracking overhead kick. And it's fun. I really, um, it sort of warms the heart a bit when you're watching the Scottish Cup third round and it's the, the weekend where these sort of guys are going to be on sports scene um, rather than just on maybe their own their own TV channels or their own YouTube channels for, for the highlights. So it's really cool when you see that and it paints the the sort of lower leagues in, in such a positive light for people and that excitement. And actually, go, the winner really would be goals in general uh, in, in this one because, as you said, uh, Lee Hamilton had, had his overhead kick, Russell McLean had his, uh, Thomas Orr at Stranraer, it was an absolute peach that he called it in. And then St Mirren, we had uh, McGrath doing what, a really unique sort of chipped goal. I, I don't even know really how he managed it because it was really quite close in for him to do that. And then Dennis... Uh, putting in sort of a curling effort into the top into the top corner, which actually might bring me on to a loser quite quickly, which might have to be sort of Hamilton and Brian Rice, Robert, after what can only be described as a bit of a meltdown for old Brian Rice. I uh, yes, that that was the next loser on my list was uh, Chipper uh, and his post match out. I mean. Uh, it's stronger than an outburst. That was uh, that was absolutely something else. It sounded and it, like fair play to him for saying like I'm not shouting at you guys when speaking to the media. Mm-hmm. But it sounded like he was shouting at the media guys. Um, he was absolutely furious and seemed to be hinting towards some sort of anti Hamilton conspiracy, which is always always the best thing. I mean, Scottish football's full of it. We normally there's normally more than, more two clubs who sort of uh, divulge in this type of behaviour, but. It's the idea that sort of Hamilton are being sort of against the might of St Mirren, who being uh, certainly, uh, that's such a bizarre 
sort of concept. And I, and I, I don't get me wrong, I do know what, what he means. I, I, I can imagine smaller clubs do feel this way quite a lot in, in other leagues and they don't get the same. I mean, I would get if he's maybe talking about coverage, but like this idea that they don't, that people don't defend when they get sort of penalty decisions against them or no one talks them up and no one talks about their injury problems. I mean, I, I can only, I mean, our podcast is sort of rel- relatively sized and I know you guys on the TV show as well, you'd be considered the media of Scottish football. Uh, and I, I, I never see that Hamilton get that bad a rap. I think we talk about them quite positively. I mean, Ross Callahan, we get in it, Bruce Anderson, I think people have been excited about. Uh, I don't really see his point that we're, we're, people are actively against Hamilton. I don't really understand that. Tony, we, we have literally been calling them cockroaches for the last five years. So, I mean, you know... Maybe we're... <laughs> Yeah, just because I say Bruce Anderson's good one week, that wipes out calling them cockroaches for five years. <laughs> <laughs> but not like, listen, you always see managers angry and upset at, um, at decisions, refereeing decisions. I think obviously that's always magnified in cup games as well, because it's not as if you can say it evens itself out over the course of a season, because you've just got that one game and then you're left reeling a wee bit um, towards, you know... <laughs> it won't even itself out in the season I would also like to laugh at, uh, at Joel Sked because his banker bust prediction uh, on the TV show in the last one was that Hamilton would get relegated but also win the Scottish Cup so <laughs> Joel Sked strikes again uh, <laughs> an incredible track record on the line humped out humped out <laughs> the first time they get played uh, I do like the, the, the my favourite quote in reading it's a Daily Record article Brian Rice, the rest of the game we dominated, but you'll never write that because we're Hamilton. My opinion, you're not right because we're fucking Hamilton. Sorry, we are Hamilton. Uh, but I like it because I'm reading it, which means that they must have wrote it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's aye, the, 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 the swear words uh, were particularly um, unexpected. You don't often hear that in the recorded interviews from managers. So fair play to him. He was speaking. Maybe, maybe, it's fo- maybe it's 4D chess. He's taking all the, he's taking all the pressure off the players. Old chipper, uh, he's, sol- he's solving it, and everyone's now talking about him swearing. Uh, but yeah, not just this idea that Hamilton don't get credit for anything. I, I, I don't think I agree with that. I think we maybe they maybe get backhanded credit, like calling them cockroaches. But that it's it's meant with. I certainly say it with a warm heart. Is that they 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 punch above their weight quite considerably all the time, and maybe he just doesn't like it because he might be the one that makes them their weight and they, and they drop down the division. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, cockroach is a, a backhanded compliment. You know, they, they, their survival skills are second to none. So, you know, ju- just just take it as it's meant, Hamilton. But yeah, m- maybe they don't get the column inches. Um, but at the same time, that's not what's most important. So I think he was, uh, he was obviously just angry at a few things and was lashing out. Still very emotional after the game, uh, but absolutely 100% a, a, a complete loser um, of this weekend. So, <laughs> welcome. Chipper, <laughs> Chipper, you're a loser, mate. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've got another, another winner here, uh, which is uh, Mr. Nicholas Nicky Clark uh, of Dundee United mm-hmm. for what I would deem as a really quite blatant foul uh, leading to his goal for Dundee United's 91st minute winner when he just shoves Mohamed Niang straight into the goalkeeper, uh, clatters him out of the way and then he's got an, an empty net to roll the ball into. I mean, that is that is a liquid Scottish Cup right there. Um, I, I think Thistle, Thistle played really well, well, played well uh, throughout the 90 minutes, maybe didn't deserve that. But no, Nicky Clark, I mean, fair play, you are a winner 
for um, just really blatantly fouling someone in the lead-up to a goal and, and it's still being given. Fair point. In the last minute as well. <laughs> it's, it's one that you see you see all the time, that, that foul getting given uh, when a striker's sort of frustrated that they can't get there ahead of them and they just petulantly push them and then roll it into an empty glass. See, I feel like I've seen that clip a hundred times, but actually this time he gets to run away uh, celebrating. And, uh, I mean... Ian McCall took it quite well, I thought, at the end when I saw his interview. He seemed quite calm because uh, compared to Brian Rice going insane about a penalty that we made it 3-0 on the, on the day uh, and Nicky uh, Clark pushes someone to, to win the match and not parting out, the uh, the sort of dignity held at the end of it was uh, was quite stark from, from Ian McCall. Uh, I'll go for another one. This is a man who is so close to being a loser but turned out a winner, and that would be Xander Clark at St. Johnston. He seems he got, he got away with an awful lot in this game, but still ended up saving a penalty, uh, which obviously in the history books, that'll, that'll look good. But, I mean, for the goal that got disallowed, it's offside, I think, that gets given. He just totally drops the ball, and it, and it gets put in. And then uh, the penalty he gives away is psychotic he just absolutely loses it runs out to the to, to the edge of the 18 yard box at an angle and, and clatters and clears him out and then he gets a save but then eventually goes home with a clean sheet and another victory for St Johnston so I thought Dander Clark uh, in a bizarre way ends up he, he got the last laugh needless to say Absolutely, it was uh, it was vintage Sander Clark throughout that game you know uh, moments of, of uh, atrocity <laughs> followed by to be fair a loser in this should absolutely be Charles Adam for uh, one of the worst penalty kicks I think I've seen in quite a long time, uh, sort of rolling it quite tamely towards uh, Clark's left-hand side. Fancy myself to save that one, Tony. Fancy myself to save it. But uh, yeah, Xander Clark I think, is absolutely fair. And kind of on along the same lines, I've put a winner as uh, Sam Ramsbottom uh, of Dumbarton. I mm-hmm. thought, you know, he will he will forever, and it doesn't matter how well he plays, he will forever be known as the <laughs> man who thumped the ball off Ryan McGeever's arsehole for one of the most comical own goals of all time. However, he played really, really well against Aberdeen. You know, the, the save that he made from uh, from Lewis Ferguson's header was absolutely uh-huh. brilliant, and there were so many other occasions during the game where his shot stopping was, uh, was just absolutely top class. I mean, he is a bit of a loser for wearing the tightest shorts I have ever seen on a goalkeeper. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I, I felt like I could see the veins, Tony. I felt like I, I, <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing was being left to the imagination. But uh, no, I, I thought Sammy Ramsbottom, uh, fair play to him because you know a, a lot of goalkeepers would wilt uh, after that calamity that he had uh, the other week there. But that's a couple of really good performances in a row for him. And this one, obviously, being on national telly against a top-flight side, no fair play to him. Fair play to him. And it was like it's bizarre for a goalkeeper to want to wear anything tight. Surely agility and freedom of movement are high on your list of priorities when you get dressed in the morning for, for, for a match. You, you would think so. I was half expecting to sort of go for one with his feet and just the shorts to rip at the arse. <laughs> a real sort of comedy style. Um, which, is, which has happened to me, Rob, when I played five-a-sides in uh, New Zealand. It was like a, and it was a mixed league. Uh, I was playing five sides and I couldn't find my, I couldn't find like the football shorts, which I'm wearing right now, like a pair of Sondico, just a, a plain pair of Sondico. So I ended up just wearing like a pair of like sort of more fashionable, relatively tight uh, polka dot, black polka dot with, with multicolored polka dots on them, uh, <laughs> shorts to play. And uh, I went and goals and I made a save with my, with my leg, the inside of my leg and it just ripped and I just had to play the rest of the game with my arse. 
hanging out essentially with boxers on so um, and as I said that was in a mixed league so lucky yeah. I never really got arrested frankly <laughs> but <laughs> imagine that eh? you, you end up on some sort of register and he's going just for playing football with small shorts that'd be an absolute nightmare <laughs> Um, I'll go back to the St Johnston game and a winner uh, my favourite moment of the entire weekend is Lee Ashcroft's yes. sliding header tackle uh, I could watch that all day every day just because it looks all so the first time I see it I wasn't sure what happened and then when you watch a slow motion replay it's like yep he's completely deliberately done that that was it was like a premeditated sliding header tackle it wasn't just like something's went wrong and he's ended up flat on his face trying to header it which I think we've seen a few times in Scottish football, where they end up just scrambling on the ground and sort of trying to, sort of like a fish out of water, try to head it away. But this one was sort of like doing a cleansman to then use his head to get away. And um, fair enough, it worked. So who am I? Who am I to to say that isn't the way to normally go about uh, your defending? A hundred percent. It's uh, Fjortoft did it for that was it. Yeah, uh, against Hearts earlier on in the season. There's an amazing picture of Fjortoft's face just buried into the turf. Um, that I think the Terrace Podcast Twitter account uh, put some tweets out about. And I think, like, um, and I know our listeners will correct me on this, I think it was Cowden Beath versus Berwick Rangers uh, a few years ago, and uh, a guy tried to do that and, and sort of header the ball away, but ended up just emptying the man and giving away a penalty, and which was one of the best penalty decisions <laughs> I've ever seen in my life, just headering this boy's ankles out the way. Um, so, no, I, I think... Uh, you know, a, a real warrior spirit um, about that, just literally asking for your head to get volleyed off his neck. Um, fair play. Fair play. Um, oh, what else? what else you got? Well, I mean, I was, I was going to ask you, Rob, obviously I saw James Forrest got his first start against Celtic. I know he went into that, maybe the interest, and he managed to get a goal. What would be your feelings on James Forrest maybe putting something together towards this season and, and making a late run? that Scotland squad which might even get extended um, now they're saying they might get a couple of extra spots because I was starting to think would he maybe get brought along to play a similar role to Ryan Fraser or what do you think do you think there's a chance that, that he could he could get a spot I think he he might end up getting saved by the uh, potential extra spots in the squad so it's maybe going up to 25 or 26 because they've allowed the five substitution rule now as well Um James Forrest, um, a couple of years ago, was one of my favourite players in Scotland. Absolutely just non-stop uh, for Celtic. Goals, assists. I, I, I think one season he got like 16, 17 goals and about the same number in assists as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely flying. But I think because he's been out for so long this season and because Steve Clark has now found the nucleus of a squad that he really, really likes, it could spell, you know, unfortunately for James Forrest, some bad news for him because there is players who have come in pardon me, um, who can play in that position, but also who have kind of excelled a wee bit in that position as well. And Ryan Fraser, obviously, is the, the most obvious example of that. Um, down the left-hand side, you've got some sort of weird Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, double <laughs> double attack focus thing now going on as well. So I, I think, you know, James Forrest, what you'll get is, is work rate. Could he maybe play in a wing-back position if it is a back three that we go for? Very possibly. Um, but at the same time, Stephen O'Donnell's come in and, and, you know, in the last couple of games, he's played really, really well as well. Oh. So is there a place in the squad for him? I would say right now, very, very possibly, but it's not a guarantee. I, I think a couple of years ago, James Forrest was a guarantee for every single Scotland squad. But I think injuries at the wrong time uh, are maybe just going to elbow him out of the way slightly. But um, I wouldn't be terribly upset if he did make the squad. But for me, he wouldn't even be a starter just now anyway. 
Yeah, because I think you're right. That might, might help him out is maybe the fact that if we were behind in a game, he could come on and maybe, as you said, play in a wing-back role. I would, I would imagine he'd start in there, but I mean, if we were looking for goals and go more attacking. And interesting enough, in this game for Celtic there, he seemed to be playing off Griffiths um, in, a, in a bit of a more central position, which is most likely where in terms of the shape that, that Clark seems to be going for, maybe the, those dual tens, if you like. I mean, when we're at our best and we're attacking, I would say, and other people maybe say that we play a, a 3-6-1, but <laughs> like, I mean, at, at, the, at our good times. Uh, so that was, it'd be interesting for him to keep playing in that role for Celtic towards the end, because I'd imagine that would be the, the place that he could vacate. Something else might work for him is we don't, we aren't blessed with an abundance of pace, a natural pace in the squad. And so maybe James Foster. So there's something to be had there and it'll be interesting. It'll keep something interesting for us going forward with Celtic since obviously season outside that Scottish Cup looks pretty much over. And those old firm games, if I'm James Forrest, I'd be champing at the bit to get to play in those because there'll be the games everyone's watching and everyone will be having analysis of it. And if he could do something in those games, then a bit of momentum comes. People start asking for it. Don't get me wrong, no. Clark doesn't seem like the guy will get swayed too much from uh, from social media, but uh, you know what I mean. Get get everyone talking and get that train going for James Forrest to go there. Um, I think an obvious one, uh, Kyle Lafferty, Robert, yeah. your main man, Kyle Lafferty. Talk me through it. All, all I've put here next to Kyle Lafferty is what a player, what a hat trick, what a smile. Um, just an absolute sweetheart, but but also <laughs> he's not a sweetheart. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I, I think um, even even more than the fact that he scored a hat trick against Stenhouse Muir is the 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 sort of the ray of hope that he is giving Kelly fans right now uh, as a proper you know number nine striker, maybe the best they've seen since the likes of Chris Boyd potentially, and and having the same impact and being a real talisman for this Kelly team that's kind of been screaming out for someone like that. You know, Brophy, Brophy certainly was was a, a, a cracking player for them previously. Uh, he obviously moved on to pastures new and, and they needed they needed a number nine that's going to harry defenders and hassle them and, you know, not necessarily be the best team player, but just be an out-and-out goal scorer and a guy that will shoot from anywhere because he knows he's got that confidence in himself that he's going to hit the back of the net. And that was just exampled uh, against uh, Stenhouse-Muir. Three goals, all of them, you'd expect them kind of to score, to be honest. They were all kind of Kyle Lafferty goals, but um, he is he's just providing Kelly fans with with some hope right now. And with the season that they've had, he's exactly what they need. He's, he's doing for Kilmarnock fans what he did for Hearts fans, which oh. was just becoming this like guy that you used to absolutely fucking hate. <laughs> now, but now you cannot help but love him because of what he brings to your team, and he brings that that shit and element as well. You know, he, he brings a bit of swagger. Um, no, Kyle Lafferty was was uh, third on my list of winners. He was that high, mate. Even though it was just just against Steny, no offense, Craig Telfer, but you know it, he still has to go there and, and score the goals. And uh, yeah, he's he's doing a lot for Kelly fans right now, uh, and they they need a lot. Yeah, I mean, I was on, I'd done the top five one for the Patreon with Alan Temple, and he said something, it was brilliant, like post, his record post-Christmas, uh, going into sort of the business end of the season, is like 22 goals in, in 45 games or something like that. And then before that, it's like five goals. And and, and for, like before that, so just when 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 the time, when times get tough and somebody, someone needs to step up, it's like he's, he's motivated by that. It's like, you get players like that that they it's it, who care and this is the point we're making on on that Patreon is 
it doesn't really matter why they're motivated. If it's if it's something that maybe you don't like so much, maybe he is angling for a move. Maybe he, he probably knows that he's coming to the stage of his career, but maybe he's got one more half decent contract in him, or he can stay at Kilmarnock. But um, who cares? Because he's the absolute man, and uh, for Kilmarnock now, and it's really interested in the bottom in the bottom flight. Uh, sorry, the bottom half of the Scottish Premiership is like January. Signings of strikers have been like a real ray of hope for team. Like obviously Bruce Anderson, he hasn't scored lots of goals, but he's sort of brought a brand new element to Hamilton's play and made them much more easy on the eye and given them much more alternatives to how they can play. Uh, Jordan White, I mean, he, he turned. I mean, again, his form's tailed off slightly, but he's won won them about six to nine points directly, even coming off the bench. He scored against Celtic. He scored and that against Hamilton when he came off the bench and Billy McKay scored the winner set up. Um, so he's, I mean, and then obviously Kyle Lafferty. So these are huge signings that are having a, a massive part to play. But something, and George Oakley as well, coming off the bench, that'll be a big one for Tommy Wright and that'll be both, that's it for his first goal uh, for Kilmarnock and that'll be important because they'll need as many of those goals as they can going forward. But I wanted to ask your opinion, Robert, on the Partick Thistle away strip. I know you're a man who likes your football strips. Not a huge fan. Ah, okay. I, I just, do you know what annoyed me the most about the, the Park Thistle talk was they, they weren't wearing their squad numbers. Uh, they had a, a 1 to 11 system and no names on the back, and that just put me off straight away. It kind of felt like, uh, I, I, I felt a wee bit like Saturday mornings, uh, Sunday league sort of vibe. Um, I think, Park, yeah, Park Thistle, all I think about when I think of their ships this season is that half and half uh, effort that is that is being sold, and it's just. Uh, it doesn't fill me with joy, Tony. It doesn't fill me with joy. Uh, are, are you, were you a fan of it? Is that is that what you're trying to say to me? When I saw it, I, I thought I quite liked the minimal effort of it. Um, it looked really, really traditional. But again, I know exactly where you're coming from. It looked, it looked more like just a nice top, uh, and it just wasn't a it wasn't an actual football strip. And I, and I, and I get what you mean now. Uh, that yeah, it's just it, it. But I thought it looked. I thought it looked relatively cool uh, as as a top. But yeah, it didn't look like a like a football strip. It's um, just, I'm looking at it again. Yeah, it is just, it is just a top, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It doesn't even look like it's the right football strip material. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they've just taken something else entirely. Uh, yeah. They'll be lining up next week in loads of nice shirts. Yeah, one thing I do like is the badge. I'll give them that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the, the sort of the, the more traditional thistle with, yeah, the, 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 you know, the, what, what am I even trying to say here? The wee hang that goes underneath it. The wee, the wee set, it doesn't matter to me. Embroidery? I don't know. Embroidery? Let, let's go for it. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's say embroidery. Um, I think the, the the only other winner that I have here is uh, Greenock Morton. And that was not because of uh, the fact that it's Greenock Morton, but they, they won a, a cup tie the way it's meant to be won. Uh, being behind for about 80 minutes, sclaffing a, a 90th minute penalty and then scoring a winner in the second, time, uh, second half extra time. Just absolutely... Perfect way to win a cup tie. That's that's how you do it. Smash and grab. Uh, I mean, I was a bit of a loser, and this might sound really harsh because Broderick uh, Cove Rangers were playing at Ibrox, uh, but I watched a bit of that game, and while, I mean, if it was deliberate, Paul Hartley, the, the bravery of getting his team to sort of play passing football out from defence, uh, it's commendable, I suppose, but it was... Like the game was lost, and that the frustrating thing is Rangers missed a few chances, and Cove could have stayed in there 
a lot longer. And then they just sort of gifted Rangers goals, just genuinely like so brave trying to play one touch passing inside their own box. How like basically the kind of moves that you would see in the Champions League or at the top flight of the of the English in the top half of the English Premier League, where teams are so well drilled that it doesn't bother them that they're under pressure. They they're completely calm and they they keep on making the triangles and the angles to come out for defense. So if that's how they're playing in day to day in the in the league, I'm sure it's really good to watch. But um, yeah, they got there was just Rangers players couldn't believe their luck and so Jermaine Defoe scored a goal where he just the most Defoe goal ever. He got the ball, he made a sharp turn which he always does, and then they allowed them just to take three further touches towards the box, and then still nobody bothered trying to block him, and he had a shot at the bottom corner like he's been doing for. Well, most of our lives, uh, really, Jermaine Defoe. But yeah, it sounds harsh, but uh, I thought it was uh, a bit bizarre watching Covey just try and do that. It was, it was strange, um, especially against a team that's so good at, at pressing. Probably the best pressing team in Scotland. Definitely the best team in Scotland. Uh, you know, fair play to them. Uh, it takes a, it takes a lot of a lot of balls to try and do that. Um, Tony, I, I think we're done here. I can't see any more. Yeah, I mean, other one maybe Ramsey Aberdeen looked pretty exciting as a young player. I like that. Uh, coming at fullback, uh, that was good to see. A loser, Aberdeen, they still got through it, but those issues were really laid bare that they've got for, for that they've had. Well, that's second goal in 11. It's like Hendry's now looking like a bit of a, he's going to be like a saviour, even though people were doubting that as a, as even a, as a transfer, if it was a smart move. Uh, and Stephen Glass has a lot of work on his hands because Maybe as a Hibs fan, I'll maybe chuck in Phil Camberry because he looked absolutely fucking dreadful he, uh, for he, Aberdeen in that game. He looked absolute guff. Uh, I, I would say Dean Campbell didn't uh, fill me with a, a great amount of joy in that game either. But Calvin Ramsey, I'll, I'll give you that. I thought he looks like a crack in me process, especially seeing as like his first touch of the game, he let the ball roll under his foot and go for a throw-in. And I was like, oh dear, uh, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen here? But he was he was great. His delivery as well off both feet was uh, was fantastic. Mm. Uh, no, I, I like the look at him. Um, I liked you know, what you said about Campbell uh, off air. <laughs> I never know where he's playing. He just turns up at random positions on the park and gives the ball away. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tony, I, I couldn't think of a better way to describe it than that. He just he just shows up and gives it away. <laughs> like, ah, Dean Campbell's still playing. Um, but, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, he's a young man uh, and he's he's getting a, a lot more game time, which is good, seeing as Derek McInnes obviously isn't famed uh, for, for giving youth a chance. So, yeah, good to see him still getting a bit of game And Vaughan, and Vaughan scoring for Wraith Rovers again after getting a double the week before uh, in, in the Fife Derby. That is really exciting for Sean, of course, and Andy, but... For Wraith in general, because if you go, if they can go to the playoffs, Regan Hendry, I mean, I've, obviously I've watched a bit of Wraith in the last couple of weeks, so it was good. Regan Hendry looking on such form. Um, obviously, the guy's on loan for Hibs. Uh, looking really, really strong with that. He's got a couple of goals. And uh, and then, as I said, Vaughn being back, who's sort of should be playing at a higher level, but these injuries have stopped him. Keep him fit towards the end. And I really wouldn't want to be going up against that Wraith Overs team in, in a playoff, especially when they've only had 27 games. And they won't be tired going into like a normal end of season playoff. I would start to get a bit worried about the team that's in 11th. 100%. And I think uh, you're spotting on what you're saying. If Lewis Vaughan had no injuries, he wouldn't be a race overs player right now. He would be a, a division above. I think he's, you know, when he's fully fit and firing, he's a top flight footballer. Uh, 100%. He's a cracking, cracking player. Um, and it is, you know, it, you saw like uh, on a view from the terrace, there was a, a feature on him and, and going through his injuries and stuff. And, mm-hmm. You know, his, his mentality is just absolutely amazing as well. He's still only like 24 or something like that. He's still a young man. 
Uh, still got a lot in him. Uh, cracking player, cracking goal as well. So, absolutely. I'm, I'm on the Lewis Vaughan bus, mate. I'm there. I'm with you. Brilliant. Nice one. Uh, any more for any more? Are you all good? No, no, I'm, I'm all good, mate. I enjoyed that going to the Scottish Cup. Thanks very much. No, it's it's not a problem at all. And I, you know, I, as an outsider uh, looking into the Scottish Cup this year, uh, it, was, <laughs> uh, it was very very enjoyable for me to have a look as well. So thank you all very much for listening. Uh, it's it's always massively appreciated. Me and Tony are about to uh, bugger off and record our Patreon as well. Obviously, if you do not yet follow our Patreon, please do. Uh, you can do so for as little as two dollars a month. Great value. Uh-huh. Uh, you've got so much weekly content coming out there as well that you'll uh, end up falling behind on it and probably not listening to it all anyway so give us a follow on Patreon give us a follow on Twitter if you don't already thanks again for listening thank you Tony Anderson cheers and thank you all good night Sports Social Podcast Network with Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.